You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Or, you know, it's the off-season, so whenever there's stuff to talk about and I can talk about it, that's when we're coming to you. Anyway, I'm your host, AJ Andrews of jaysfromthecouch.com. Uh, thank you to everyone who supported me on the comeback tour with those Halloween episodes. I know it's been a couple weeks since then. Um, still plugging away. Uh, the day job has been challenging let's say that college basketball if you ever want to know anything about Nichols State or Mount St. Mary's I mean talk to your girl but it it does uh it does make life really busy so what we're going to do this is actually the first of a trilogy and I guarantee it will be a better trilogy than the Star Wars prequels I know such a high bar to clear, but we can do that. So the Blue Jays have been very active so far. So what we're going to be doing over these next few episodes is going to be a kind of recap and just, you know, trying to decipher where the Blue Jays are going to go. So this episode is going to be focusing on the concrete moves, the additions that have been made to the organization, the next episode is going to be projections, people the Blue Jays have been linked to in recent days, and whether or not it actually makes sense. And then the final episode of this trilogy is going to be dedicated to those who have departed the Blue Jays. A couple of notable names will be discussed there, and, you know, feels will be had, I guess. But... Obviously, we are going to start with the biggest name that has come the Blue Jays' way since those Halloween recordings. And for those of you who are subscribed to Jays from the Couch Radio, you might have heard me faintly talking about this trade when we were on there. Because it actually happened on the Monday of the recording. And again, I apologize for my audio quality on that podcast. It was... I, I blame my phone. Honestly, the phone is going to be, uh, <laughs> I I don't want to say it's going to be Darwin Barney, but it now looks like it's taken a few bullets, so it's probably on its last legs. So it has a promising career as a solely Pokemon Go focused tool in the future. Anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about Chase Anderson because he was the big acquisition so far for the Blue Jays. Acquiring uh, Anderson from the Milwaukee Brewers in exchange for first baseman slash outfielder Chad Spanberger. Now, we're not going to waste time talking about Spanberger. Spanberger is, was the, like the second guy who was acquired in the Sung Juano deal from Colorado the previous season, and he kind of flattened out at double a only hit 13 home runs batted like 262 so basically they got chase anderson for nothing which on the surface itself 
is a great little deal of business, even if you don't actually dive into what Chase Anderson brings to a team. But, you know, the Blue Jays, it was very obvious from the beginning. The priority this offseason had to be starting pitching. I mean, the Blue Jays ended 2019 with one guy on the roster who pitched more than 100 innings for them in the 2019 season. And that was Trent Thornton, who was ticketed to pitch zero innings for the Toronto Blue Jays last season because he was supposed to be a AAA as a depth option. Funny how things work out with ACL injuries and shoulder injuries and trades. (laughs) But, yeah, when the second highest innings total on the staff belongs to Sam Gaviglio, who didn't even start a game... That that gives you a very clear indication where the Blue Jays need to be focused on. That and the, you know, 521 ERA from the starters. If there's going to be any improvement from the Blue Jays in 2020, it's going to come from the rotation. And acquiring a guy like Chase Anderson is a pretty good start, actually. Again, especially when you consider they didn't pay anything really to get Chase Anderson. Again, Spamberger is not a guy who is ticketed for Major League Baseball success. He um, He's essentially like Connor Panis, who the team moved last season to get Clayton Richard, which, I mean, that worked out well, but that is not the trade we are comparing this move to. Obviously not. There is there's a bit of a higher ceiling when it comes to Chase Anderson. Chase Anderson is a guy who has a remarkable level of consistency at the major league level. Over the last five seasons, he's pitched at least 139 innings. And that mark was actually the the low watermark in his recent season with Milwaukee when he finished 8 and 4 with a 4.21 ERA that's his highest ERA over the last 3 seasons uh he is a guy who at the very least will get you 5 innings of work which is more than can be said about a lot of Blue Jays pitchers and Blue Jays starters last season i mean Again, when Wilmer Font ends the season as like your second highest starter, that's just a sign that things need to change. And and you can you can look that up. Wilmer Font started the second most games for the Blue Jays last season. Absolutely unacceptable. So what they do in get in getting Chase Anderson, they get a guy, again, proven track record at the major league level, a three ninety four ERA over six seasons with Arizona and Milwaukee career winning percentage of 570, which, I mean, Arizona wasn't great. Milwaukee's been up and down. So that's that's a pretty good mark. Um, uh, a career whip of 126, which actually that was his mark last season. So he had an average season. Obvi- obviously, the Blue Jays would like to get 2017 Chase Anderson when he went 12-4 and with that 274 ERA. But Given the struggles that they had, I think they'd take 2019 Chase Anderson, which is probably what they're paying for. And that's another big thing about this deal, what they're paying for. Chase Anderson becomes only the fourth player to have 
a 2021 payment commitment. He has a deal. Um, he's going to make $8.5 million this upcoming season. And then uh, gets nine. he has a $9.5 million option in 2021. That will likely be exercised. But um, Toronto instantly exercised his option for 2020 when they got him, which was $8.5 and when you look at what some of the projected costs for these starting pitchers on the free agent market are, and we said near the beginning of the offseason, the Blue Jays were going to be a team that needed multiple starting pitchers. It wasn't just going to be, oh, we'll sign this one guy and he'll make your team. No, they have to redo their entire rotation, essentially, just to make sure that they have the option so they're not you know, calling up guys like Ryan Fairbend to start games for them. They need better options than that. Options that aren't going to get injured, hopefully. Chase Anderson is one of those guys. Again, very durable arm with his ability to, you know, reach that magical 150 inning mark over the past few seasons. And, you know, because he comes in at 8.5 million, because he he will be less than, you know, even guys like like um, like Tanner Roark is is projected to make that much money when it when it comes to free agency. But, you know, a Tanner Roark is only a band-aid. He's not going to be a guy who could conceivably be a part of a contending Blue Jays team. Now, Chase Anderson is entering his age 32 season with the Blue Jays, but if you look at what he's got, he's been remarkably consistent with his pitches, which I, I think lends to the possibility that he could stick in 2021 and, and potentially talk beyond that. I mean, that obviously will be determined by performance. But if you look at what Anderson actually brings to the table, he brings a varied arsenal of pitches. He's got a four-seam fastball that he relies on that tops, tops around 94. 93 to 95 in that range, but he throws it consistently and he relies on it a lot. Then his secondary pitch is a changeup that comes in around 82, 83. So he'll rely on that changing speeds a lot in order to get his soft contact, get, you know, guys to grand out a bit. And then he mixes in a cutter, a curveball, and a sinker. So he's got a lot of different pitches that he can use at any given time. Sounds a lot like Trent Thornton, only, you know, better than Trent Thornton. So that that's a plus for him. Um, but Anderson's been very consistent around. He's actually got an uptick in velocity. He had an uptick last season. And that may be because Milwaukee didn't ask him to go very long. He didn't pitch more than six innings in any start in 2019. He hasn't actually pitched more than six innings in a start since July of 2018. I believe it was on the second or fourth against the Twins when he got six and a third innings pitched. So he's not the workhorse that I think a lot of Blue Jays fans would would want to acquire, but what he is is effective in his role. Like, like going out there, giving a solid five innings, and when you look at the makeup of the Blue Jays bullpen, as we will actually do in the second half, when you look at what that Blue Jays bullpen gives you with length and 
you know, the ability to deliver multiple innings from a single guy. Anderson actually fits in very well. He'd be a four or five on most teams, but he's instantly a two or a three on this Blue Jays team. And if he can go out there and consistently get five or six innings again, that's that's more than the Blue Jays can ask for, really, given what they got last season. So a good start with that acquisition for the Blue Jays. They made a couple other moves in the organization. We will talk about them after this break. But just a reminder that this episode of Locked on Blue Jays is brought to you by BlueChew.com because, you know, we give you Blue Jays notes you can chew on. So naturally the partnership is there. Um, Blue Chew, that's blue, as in Blue Jays. It brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra or Cialis, so you know it's going to work. You can take it any time, day or night, even if you just ate, like, nine McDonald's cheeseburgers. They're chewable, so they're going to work twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever you need to be. Um... It's prescribed online, so it ships straight to your door in a discreet little package so you don't have to go to the doctor and hem and haw like, uh, I need a pill. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy getting a stink eye from old ladies who are there getting their multivitamins or, or you know, stewed prunes or whatever, whatever they get. There's no awkwardness. That's the main thing. They're made in the USA. They prepare and ship directly to your door, so it's actually cheaper than going to a pharmacy. And right now, if you visit bluechew.com, You'll get your first shipment for free when you use the special promo code MLB. You just had to pay the $5 in shipping. So, again, that's BlueChew.com, Blues and Blue Jays, promo code MLB. You get to try it for free. It's a better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return. So, Chase Anderson, obviously not the only acquisition that the Blue Jays made in the past couple weeks. As we joked about on Jays from the Couch Radio, he was preceded by another arm who joined the club, and that would be former Mariner Anthony Bass, who, I mean, write your Bass Fisher jokes now while you still can. <laughs> I, I guess Derek Fisher is going to be on this roster, but who knows how long that will last. Anyway, get your base puns or bass puns ready. Um, Anthony Bass, again, comes from Seattle where he had a fairly productive season. Uh, 356 ERA over 44 games. He closed out 14 of them for the Mariners. Um, in 48 innings, he gave up 30 hits, walked 17 batters, but struck out 43. And I, I think that's the number that, that the Blue Jays were particularly enamored with that. And the 0979 whip, which makes you wonder why the heck Seattle exposed him on waivers. Granted, Seattle is making some very questionable decisions, even for them. Matt Whistler was another name who was claimed off of waivers from Seattle. Whistler actually went to Minnesota. Um, he bounced around a little bit after being a top prospect with Atlanta. But still, it it didn't really make sense to send a, a 27-year-old swingman on his way. 
even with the combined 561 ERA last season. And then you learn that the Mariners are putting Mitch Haniger up for trade, which, I mean, if I was Mitch Haniger, I would want to get out of any place where I suffered a ruptured testicle, but still doesn't make a lot of sense what Seattle's doing. But again, Seattle, like that's, that's really all you have to say about that. Anyway, the Blue Jays quickly claimed Anthony Bass off waivers and what they get is a guy who follows that mold of like a failed starter who found himself in the bullpen. He's got a lively fastball that touches 95, 96. So he he has a decent fastball. And what he does is he pairs that with a high 80s slider. So very, very simple formula for Anthony Bass to follow, but he used it very well last season. And given what situation he was in, he's a very low cost pickup for the Blue Jays on waivers. He's not going to be arbitration eligible until uh, 20... Well, he's arb now, but he's not a free agent until 2021. So that's a couple years of control on a guy who can top out at 96. And, you know, significantly cheaper than some of the other options that we talked about. Um, Bass is projected to get $1.7 million in arbitration. But... Again, for a team that's notorious for building its bullpen kind of patchwork and, and you know, not spending a lot of money on it and relying on these veteran guys to come in and have these performances, getting a guy like Bass this early in the season and being like, okay, we plug in a 96 fastball and and we have a guy who can, who can be a late-inning leverage guy with the way he gets strikeouts. So, again, that's, that's the Blue Jays seemingly... You know, striking while the iron's hot, not really waiting to see how things shake out. They see an opportunity, they get it. So, um, again, it'll remain to be seen. And if Bass doesn't pan out, I mean, he's a waiver guy. Doesn't really matter if you send him packing or not. What Bass does is buys time for guys like Kirby Sneed, like Jackson McClellan, uh, like Zach Jackson. It, it means they don't have to be rushed. If they have great spring training, great. You wave Bass. There's nothing lost, but what he does is gives the Blue Jays options, which is one of the big things they have to do this offseason is get options into the organization. So um, we we are running a little long on this episode, but it, it's my first one in two weeks. So, you know, got a lot of stuff to say. That's why this is the first of a trilogy. But I did want to mention one more addition um, to the Blue Jays, and, and really it's more of a promotion, I guess, but I wanted to mention the uh, the news that Ken Huckabee was going to be the new Buffalo Bisons manager. Um, Huckabee had had success at the lower levels as a manager at Lansing and Dunedin. He became like the roving catching instructor for the Blue Jays, and when the Buffalo position became open, when they uh, mutually agreed not to extend Bobby Meacham, who... It, moved on to take the first base job in Houston, which led to a very, very nice Bleacher Report article that reminds everyone that Bobby Meacham is one of the only guys tagged out at home plate on a double play with another runner. 
off, off the bat of Ricky Henderson, which is which is kind of funny. Anyway, with Bobby Meacham, you know, agreeing to move on and getting that opportunity, there was an opening at AAA, and Huckabee's a guy who, again, had success with Lansing, led them to uh, to a division title, um, did well at Dunedin before John Snyder came in. So he's a guy who's a steady hand, who knows the organization very well, and should be able to have some success at AAA and hopefully guide the Bisons back to the playoffs, because that's the big thing with them. Um, this relationship with Toronto has not ended their playoff drought, so that's another thing that depth is going to do, hopefully for the Blue Jays, is pacify the people in Buffalo and make sure that relationship continues, because you do not want the Mets or someone coming in and sneaking that Buffalo affiliation, and then the Blue Jays have to go back to sending people to Las Vegas, because nobody wants that. That's not a good situation for anyone in the organization. So hopefully Huckabee can do that. Hopefully we can talk about success at the AAA level in the future. And we will have more talks in the future, I swear, because I'm going to be recording right after this episode. So if you want to get in touch with me and get your thoughts known, um, follow me on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are in there because Twitter is dumb. Um, follow me on Instagram, too. I'm going to try and be more active on there, even though I can't take photos worth anything. There, there's a reason why I'm a sports writer and sports podcaster and not a sports photographer. But you can follow me on Instagram at neoaj18 and subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Anywhere you get podcasts, you can get Locked On Blue Jays. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Follow Locked On Jays on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Again, make sure you you have that extra layer of security so you don't miss an episode. And yeah, we will be right back um, tomorrow with another episode looking at some of the rumors surrounding the Blue Jays and... I look forward to them being completely out of date when that episode goes to air. But hey, you know, fun time capsule to have. So until then, for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at Locked On Jays and everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com, I mean, Jay Andrews, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care. 